This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Stand-in hoach pinch hitter, Tim Martin. I am a Newberry City Commissioner. Development Officer for the John Burt Society, head of the Republican Party here in Alachua County. My pronouns are Christian, husband, father, friend, uncle, uh, cousin, all that good stuff. Uh, I just refuse to buy into the whole woke garbage and don't even like to bother to entertain it. Well, today is Thursday. Uh, we have a great day on tap here at the Meldon Law Studios, protected by your friends at Crime Prevention uh, security systems. And we want to welcome once again our new sponsor, Judy Lacasio, uh, to our show. We really appreciate her stepping in and helping financially support us, putting her money where the mouth, her mouth is. Well, again, I said today is, uh, May 4th. And of course, you know what that means. Hey, Luke. May the force be with you. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> I hope that uh, reminded you of all the great memes that you're going to get today and all those super crazy uh, Star Wars references that everybody likes to say. You know, my wife is a huge Justin Timberlake fan, so she always gets the references of, hey, it's going to be May. Well, of course, following right after that is going to be uh, May the 4th be with you. So all our Star Wars fans that uh, we didn't know that we had as friends on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff are going to be sending us all that garbage today. Well, I appreciate you coming on here to the show. Uh, I admit already off of the bat, I'm a little discombobulated uh, today. I had a really kind of crazy day yesterday. I didn't get home till about midnight and had a lot uh, going on this morning to try to coordinate for the show, but I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, have you here with me as well. I know uh, our good friend Lloyd Bailey, he should be traveling to North Carolina today. So Lloyd, I hope, hope you're uh, listening to the show. Mark, of course, happy to have you. Jim Murphy. Um, got a little bit of Jody Davis reference later today, so hopefully he'll be able to join us here on the show. But uh, I've got the live chat going on here in front of me. Feel free to send a uh, message through the comments section. Uh, I just have the Facebook comments under. I don't have Rumble or any of the other programs uh, where the show gets propagated to uh, up so if you if you want to send me a comment i'll have to be through the the facebook comment section so uh i nicknamed today's show or titled today's show however you want to call it, the abcs and one two threes where are we going and why are we in this handbasket you know yesterday i was in a bunch of meetings and uh, i actually had lunch with a gentleman that was you know really kind of almost glass half empty and I, i'm kind of a half glass full person and I found myself kind of talking him down from the ledge. And it was reminding me of this bumper sticker that I saw one time when I was driving through Communist Gainesville. And it said, where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? Well, earlier this week, I was at the school board meeting on Tuesday night, a five-hour marathon meeting. And it was capped off by some decisioning about the superintendent. Uh, so now you're kind of seeing where the title is coming from. It was kind of the, the, the combination of those two days, ABCs, one, two, threes, having to do with the school board and what's going on here locally in Alachua County. Uh, but also my discussion yesterday over lunch with this gentleman who, uh, was just feeling really kind of down. He was in a little bit of a head down headspace about where our country was going and that sort of thing. And I always try to bring the hope and the and the good news into conversations like that because uh, it's not going to do anybody any good to just kind of bury your head in the sand and complain about things. You really got to get active and you've got to really start doing something. So um, 
Just going to start out with a little bit of news uh, this morning that I was able to grab off of the interwebs that I wanted to share with you. Andrew Gillum, uh, his trial actually got paused yesterday. His trial is in the fourth day, and uh, evidently one of the jurors had shared something about the trial on social media. Now, hard stop right there. I don't understand what somebody in a jury would possibly uh, find value in doing something like that. Of course, the juror got kicked off of the of the panel but the jury itself was kept uh, the judge kept the the rest of everybody there feeling that it didn't really impact uh, the jury and it didn't seem like the post evidently had exposed the juror to outside information you know i'm really hoping and i'm looking forward to the show when we can get our instigator back in, in instigator investigator back on the show here to kind of give us a little bit of a recap of what's going on in that uh, circus of the Andrew Gillum trial. But that uh, story's over our, uh, at our friends at WCJB. Uh, today, again, May 4th, is actually the National Day of Prayer. So there will be all sorts of different prayer vigils going on across North Central Florida and the greater United States, I'm sure. Uh, I know my church, Destiny Community Church, we're doing something along with what is called the Newberry Pastoral Alliance uh, so several of the churches come together all at once. We meet at the flagpole in the municipal building in downtown Newberry. If you're in the area, that starts at 7 o'clock. Feel free to stop by, uh, have a little prayer for our country, and enjoy the uh, fellow Christians uh, that will no doubt be joining you there. Hopefully we'll have some of those uh, gatherings at the flagpoles in some of our schools, talking about schools earlier today. Um we also, uh, you know, I noticed <laughs> this was kind of weird and it kind of hit me and it, it always does this to me. So we, we have a good effort that's funded by tax dollars. So our, uh, here in Gainesville, the project youth build, project youth build here in Gainesville received a $1.35 million grant from who else? The Department of Labor, which I always find like those stories that they should really say funded by the taxpayers. Or really our unborn grandchildren, because uh, $31 trillion in debt, I'm not going to be paying that off in the next uh, 30 years that I'm alive. But uh, here, here's sort of a little bit of, of the weirdness for me. you got a good effort, you know, who doesn't want to support the youth? It's always kind of a political trap, right? So this youth group gets $1.35 million dollars. Uh, but it's one of 68 organizations. So if you if you do the math, that's probably close to $100 million uh, that is going to go out to these 68 organizations, taxpayer dollars funded by us. Uh, but it leads me down this path of really funding social programs. And when we elect certain people into office, we have to trust that they're going to steer uh, those things in a particular direction. Well, this is how vote buying schemes work. You know, the elected officials promise dollars to go to this effort and to go to that effort. They really drive their agenda by funding their effort uh, through debt spending uh, at this point, since uh, the United States is really not uh, liquid anymore in cash and we're just funding everything out of debt, a lot like uh, several of <laughs> individual families are doing. And it's really just compounding this effect, right? This isn't anything new. This is anything that I need to uh, talk to you about, but I'm going to kind of dovetail this into uh, the Federal Reserve and where the Federal Reserve kind of starts to impact and fill out this story for us. The Federal Reserve uh, created in the early 1900s, it was a product of the banking crisis, or so we were taught. If you ever uh, are on the inter interwebs or whatever, check out G. Edward Griffin. He wrote a great book called The Jack Creature from Jekyll Island. It talks about the creation of the Federal Reserve, which was really creation by the bankers. You know, capitalism is great. Capitalism is great. But if you're on top, monopolies are even better. So the bankers had designed this faux banking crisis. I may have even talked about this last time I was on the show. They created a faux banking crisis. They got everybody up into a panic about uh, all these individual banks and how unstable they were, yada, yada, yada. Well, they got together at Jekyll Island off of uh, the southeast coast of Georgia, and they created this idea of central banking, which was not anything new. They got it from Europe, uh, so it had been around for a while. But we we started off on this uh, rabbit trail of central banking. Well, 
central bankers in the in the Federal Reserve, it, it's no different than if you were to set up a panel that arbitrarily decided how much a pound actually weighs. Uh, so in this reference, it's the dollar. And the Federal Reserve gets to determine how much a dollar is really worth. How do they do that, you ask? Good question. Good question. Class, they do that by changing the interest rates. And they do that by changing uh, the money supply. When they infuse a bunch of cash into the money supply, it waters down all of our dollars. So now you need more of those dollars to buy the same goods and services. If you cut the value in half, you're going to need twice as many to be able to buy the same stuff. Well, what also happens is the price tag on that little item, it goes from $1 to $2. Uh-oh, price is increasing. Inflation is prices increasing. No, no, stop. Don't think that anymore. Inflation is the increase of the money supply that is absolutely determined by our friends over at the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve, uh, if you hadn't known, they in- increased the interest rate uh, by a quarter percent yesterday. Uh, supposedly, uh, they are going to uh, be sunsetting that or at least pausing any new increases in the rate height. But, um, you know, it's just sort of very interesting how they arbitrarily do this. But it's schemes like this one for uh, the project builders in Gainesville that is how they get the money into the money supply. They have to create this uh, this toll booth at the federal government. Because uh, if you've got any sort of banking background uh, or accounting background, you really understand that those banks have to balance every night. You have a list of assets. They have to match the asset, uh, the liabilities. The Federal Reserve can't just arbitrarily dump a bunch of money into the banks across the United States because it's going to upset that balance. Well, if you can create all sorts of liabilities to offset that, then boom, that's how you get the money into the money supply. So whether it's cash for clunkers or uh, federalizing the student loan program like Obama did in uh, his administration, uh, whether it's the Obama phones, whether it's COVID like Trump did, or whether it's something like Project Builders in Gainesville, that's how the money actually flows and gets into the money supply. Uh, so it's it's disingenuous Let's say let's say that it's disingenuous for the Federal Reserve to, out of one side of their mouth, complain about inflation, and on the other side of the, their mouth, they're the ones that are actually creating it. They they have in their minds that they want inflation to set at a certain rate. Well, that's the problem with central planning, in this case, central banking, because you cannot account for all of the different factors and all of the different decisions that are made by the 330 million individuals that are in our country, much less the greater uh, global population. And we'll kind of get into that. But uh, over at the Wall Street Journal, they've got a headline there under their business section. The Federal Reserve raises rates, signals potential pause. I just mentioned that. Uh, so that's nothing new. But this this quote I pulled out from Jerome Powell, he is the Fed chair. This is people did talk about pausing, but that uh, was not so much at the meeting. Uh, let me reread that. People did talk about pausing, but not so much at this meeting. So this is the re- meeting they just had, and in, that was in the news conference that he held after uh, announcing the uh, interest rate hike. But we feel like we're getting closer, or maybe even there. Uh, so you know, thank goodness. You know, he has been able to sort of rein this in, right? And isn't this what they tell us every single time? Every time they tell us, oh, we just need a little tweak here and a little tweak there. Well, that's the problem, again, with central planning, in this case, the Federal Reserve, because they cannot account for all those micro decisions. And that's why I'm such an advocate of the the capitalist system, because when you split out the decisions uh into 330 million pieces, let's say. Any one decision that's bad decision represents one 330 millionth of the economy. 
at that at that microsecond that that decision is made. But if you have somebody that is doing central planning, like this case in the Federal Reserve with Chairman Powell uh, and Jen- Janet Yellen over at the Treasury, they're making decisions for the 330 million of us. So if they make a bad mistake, guess what? It affects everybody. So capitalism isolates mistakes. Uh, central planning does not. It absolutely does uh, the opposite. It's the antithesis. Uh, so that during during this um, this article from the Wall Street Journal it goes on to say the unanimous decision marked the Fed's tenth consecutive rate increase aimed at battling inflation and brings its benchmark federal funds rate to a range between five and five and a quarter percent, a sixteen year high. Uh, first reaction to that is, my goodness, we've made ten mistakes. Second reaction is we've got the federal funds rate at five, five and a quarter percent. It's at a 16 year high. It is very easy for me to go into the headspace of saying, gosh, what are they doing to this economy? You know, this doesn't help us. What is the problem? Why are they uh, constantly doing these bad decisions? Well, the reality is, in my other uh, opinion, is it's intentional. You know, I have all this background with uh, with Biden talking about the New World Order back in 1992 in this very publication. Uh, you can look it up. How I Came to Love the New World Order is an article that Joe Biden wrote for the Wall Street Journal in 1992. And all of this stuff feeds that narrative. You've got to take the goal out from being protecting America and doing what's best for America, what I call the Americanist principles, and others call the Americanist principles. And you've got to understand that the goal is this global government sort of uh, structure under the United Nations. So if you understand that that's the goal and not this whole idea of protecting America, this sort of stuff feeds that narrative. And in that vein, let's go to another story from the Wall Street Journal. U.S. businessman Ajay Banga approved to lead the World Bank. He is the former MasterCard CEO. Uh, He had a stint at Citicorp and also over at Pepsi, uh, both very uh, multinational, both are all Council on Foreign Relations members. He grew up in India, uh, but he's also listed in here as American businessman. Not really sure how that how that works out. I think they're just trying to uh, check all of the DEI boxes. I'm not really sure, but he takes over the bank at a moment of transformation. Now, there's a buzzword for you: transformation, fundamentally changing uh, America. Right. So we're kind of sensing a theme, or I hope you're sensing a little bit of a theme here. But a Biden nominee is succeeding a Trump nominee here over at the World Bank. Ajay will also be integral in bringing together the public and private sectors alongside philanthropies to usher in the fundamental changes in development finance that this moment requires. I pulled that, I pulled that quote out uh, for a very specific reason. We see the reference of transformation and we see the reference of fundamental changes in development finance that this moment requires. And that's some, actually a quote from President Biden. Well, this speaks to the narrative that I was just sort of alluding to, wasn't it? Or isn't it? So you have uh, President Biden who has had a front row center at the World Economic Forum. Uh, he is uh, nominating this Ajay Banga for the World Bank. And the World Bank, just take out U.S. Central Bank, insert World Bank. So that is the world globalist uh, banking structure. Uh, and there's another entity, too. I'll try to remember if uh, that name here, if, if, if it comes to me. But in March of 2022, I think it was March of 22, uh, Biden uh, was clipped at the Businessman Roundtable in Washington talking about we are at this inflection point. We're at this inflection point. Uh, where all things are going to change and there's going to be this world, new world order and we are going to have to lead it. So three weeks later, guess who also says basically the same thing? And I think I brought this up on a, on another episode. Uh, Sergey, Sergey, uh, Lavrov from the, uh, Russia parliament, 
He said basically exactly the same thing. Well, a year earlier, Richard Haas, the president over at the Council on Foreign Relations, said almost the exact same thing. We're at an inflection point. We're going to have to lead the new world order that comes out of this. Throw in Kissinger and all of that nonsense that he's always been talking about. He wrote during COVID in the Wall Street Journal, hey, we need to use this as a global response. So that is the goal for these people. It's this globalism, it's this global response, it's this global bank. And if you look at the United Nations, they have every structure within them that is uh, comparable to any nation. Uh, more uh, seeding of our sovereignty to the United Nations under schemes like this, the World Health Organization, etc., under the new health regulations, is all feeding uh, that narrative. Uh a lot of that is why I got involved in the John Birch Society to begin with, was to coalesce with other individuals who understand and see all this stuff going and trying to start to do something about it. You know, I mentioned Janet Yellen earlier. I've pulled another quote from another article. It's just the tre Treasury Chief Janet Yellen says the U.S. risks default as soon as June 1st without debt ceiling increase. Uh, boy, you know... Washington does not have an income problem. They have a spending problem. 31 point plus trillion dollars in debt at this point, and they need a little bit more. The new forecast gives Republicans and Democrats weeks to reach a deal. Uh, so they get everybody kind of in crisis mode. So they make, uh, fast decisions. They make poor decisions under pressure. It's all intentional. President Biden on Monday, uh, on the heels of, uh, Yellen's comments, uh, invited top Republicans and top Democrats on the Capitol Hill to meet next week to discuss raising the country's roughly $3.4 trillion borrowing limit, uh, the White House said soon after Janet Yellen's uh, warning. Treasury technically, she said uh, later on, the, tech, the, the Treasury technically bumped up against the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January. So almost five months ago, supposedly we hit the cap already. Uh, Ms. Yellen at that point said the department began using a series of special accounting maneuvers, special accounting maneuvers. I wonder what those are uh, to keep paying the government's obligation to bondholders, Social Security recipients and others. Uh, so if you've got a signal, if you've got a virtue signal and you're in D.C., you bring out the Social Security card, you bring out the Medicare card. Uh, you know, the, the, bring out the military card if you're in the Republican camp. Uh, that way you kind of catch, uh, catch everybody, uh, in all sorts of age groups and you kind of can speak to your audience a little bit. But, you know, the, the, this is so common and so predictable, uh, to me. It isn't even funny, but that's actually where my Jody reference, uh, Jody Davis reference comes in for today. You know, Jody Davis, um, He's got a little bit of a background in accounting. I don't know if you're aware of that and if I'm thinking of the right person. Uh, but it would be interesting if Jody Davis would be able to uh, put in the comment section today what we're actually talking about with this nonsense of special accounting members by Janet Yellen over at the Treasury. 23 after the hour here on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you for joining us in the Melden Law Studios, protected by crime prevention security systems. Uh, in a little bit of other news, I wanted to talk about the state legislature, uh, Tallahassee. They're winding down the 60-day session. Uh, they've got a proposed budget of $1.17 billion in a hopper. Uh, earlier in the session, the budget was approved at $113 billion, but the final requests have added another four. Obviously, if you do the math, uh, that's not special accounting maneuvers, by the way. That's actual math. So 117 minus 113 is four. Uh, so we've got a, a pile on of $4 billion worth of requests. Governor, uh, Governor DeSantis does have a line item veto here in the state of Florida, so he is certainly going to probably go through there with the scalpel try to determine who has been his friend and who has been his foe and uh, figure out what is going on with the budget. Uh, a lot of the budget, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a bullet list. I wrote down several things that the legislature has done here this session. Uh, we finally have uh, child rapists uh, subject to the death penalty. That's a good thing. Six-week six abortion ban, that's six weeks too long in my opinion. Uh, we do have permitless carry now, $350 million in set-asides for schools. 
We always hear that from the uh, school board downtown. Hopefully we'll get into that a little bit more in the second half of the show. But uh, $350 million set aside for schools, $4 billion in road projects, $12 million in migrant relocation. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, maybe we could spend the $12 million on the border and not have to worry about the migrant crisis. Uh, Everglades Restoration has another $574 million gift in their bailiwick. This is uh, endeavoring toward the the state's goal of $3.5 billion over four years. And uh, a couple of uh, structural changes. Uh, The Commerce Department is going to absorb Enterprise Florida and also the Department of Economic uh, Opportunity. Uh, That is where we uh, conduct all of the state's corporate welfare programs through Enterprise Florida and the Department of Economic Opportunity. Uh, and it was interesting. I was listening to an article yesterday, and it actually spoke to something back in 2021 where uh, DeSantis had uh, actually, in well, he approved at least, probably came from the legislature, but he, he had actually approved a little bit of a carve-out for Disney, uh, a special exception for Disney with regards to a couple of those things. Uh, but now we see how quickly the, the tables turn uh, in the whole DeSantis-Disney saga that we have been dealing with here uh, in the state of Florida. That's just kind of like a bad rash. It won't go away. I'm not really sure. Personally, I haven't followed it a whole heck of a lot. I'm not really sure who's right or who's wrong in that story. Uh, I don't really know who is on the the sort of right or the sort of correct path either, uh, I have a feeling that the truth is probably a little bit uh, in between. Uh, we've got several uh, story or several scores in baseball uh, last night. Let me flip over here to the uh, ticker at ESPN.com, and we'll take a look at that real quick for you. The Celtics, of course, killed the 76ers last night. Uh, they came out with a little bit of a bad attitude, apparently thumped the 76ers 121-87. Uh, there was a bunch of MLB action uh, last night. Uh, some of the scores, San Francisco over Houston 4-2. Cincinnati lost to San Diego. The Mets lost to Detroit. Tampa Bay is uh, winning, or they won last night over Pittsburgh 8-1. to Washington won their game uh, 2-1. to Boston 8-3 over Toronto. The St. Louis uh, Cardinals lost to the Angels 6-4. to uh, In NBA action right now going on this week, we are in the conference semifinals. So Lakers are playing the Warriors. Uh, Lakers actually travel to San Francisco tonight, I believe. They play at 9 o'clock on ESPN, Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, the other three games, the 76ers and the uh, Celtics, Heat matches up with the Knicks, the Suns, and the Nuggets, all in the conference semifinals that's going on right now in NBA action, which I believe is almost completely and 100% rigged. I have this conversation with my son all the time. I'm going to check the uh, comments section here real quick before we get out of the first half of the hour. Thank you for joining us here in the Melden Law Studios, protected by crime prevention security systems. Uh, so, Mark, yeah, we really appreciate you joining here. Uh, Ken, great to see you back. Uh, mistrial coming, Jim. Uh, I'm not really sure. The, the I believe the juror was dismissed, but the jury was kept. Uh, whether or not uh, Andrew Gillum's defense team uh, sorts of try to create that wedge, uh, I guess we'll just have to see. Maybe we can get that answer uh, from Mark. Um, Ken, you're talking about the CBDC. Uh, yeah. There, there's a little bit of caveat there that I just kind of want to mention. The, the dollar is pretty much digital right now. Uh, we have the, the paper money, but that is certainly waning and everybody does a lot more with their debit cards and their credit cards, uh, more so now with cash. Uh, so we, we already sort of have the, the, the framework for a digital dollar. Let's just say that. Uh, but you're right. The full on, uh, full court press basketball reference. Haha. There, th- that could potentially be coming, and you're right. Uh, it's all about control and being able to do uh, what they want uh, with us. Tie in the social credit scores. Um, the uh, mark, yeah, the stock market uh, is in the toilet right now. I know it was relatively flat yesterday. I took a look at it yesterday, based on a conversation I was having with somebody. Uh, so even the rate hike uh, didn't seem to do a whole lot for the market. You know, flat isn't up, but it's not down uh, either. 
uh, yeah, CFR is uh, Lloyd Bailey's favorite group. You know, Lloyd is is one of uh, somebody that I consider a, a mentor. Uh, Doug, thank you for joining us uh, from south of the border this morning here on the Ward Scott Files. Uh, looks like we've got uh, well, it looks like we've got about the first half of the hour in the in the books here. We're going to take a break, step aside, thank our sponsors, join us back here uh, in just a couple of minutes on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the the hour. I am Tim Martin. I'm a Newberry City Commissioner Development Officer for the John Burt Society and the Alachua County Republican Party Chairman. Uh, today is May 4th. May the force be with you, of course. References going to get those all day today. We want to thank our friends at Lewis Oil for weather today here in North Central Florida, outside the Meldon Law Studios, protected by convent, uh, crime prevention Security systems. It looks like uh, right now temperatures are about mid 60s. We're going to get up to the mid 80s uh, later on today. In the uh, looking ahead to the weekend, since it is Thursday, I know everybody's going to start looking uh, at the weekend forecast. Uh, very very slight chance of rain on Sunday. Weather temperature wise will pretty much be about the same here in North Central Florida. Maybe not quite mid 80s. Maybe a little bit lower. Uh, looks like your spring is starting to settle in across a lot of the country. 50s in the northeast right now, expecting a little bit of a rain. Northwest, a uh, little bit warmer, 60s and 70s in some areas. Uh, as we get into the interior of the country, the temperatures right now uh, should be getting up to about the mid-70s uh, later on today. Little uh, thunderstorms expected uh, in the Oklahoma City area. Otherwise, mostly sunny, a little bit of cloudy in the southwest temperatures in the mid-60s. So that's a little bit of a look at your weather. Of course, it's always going to be hotter down in uh, Little Havana, 
Miami, 84 degrees, uh, probably up into the upper 80s there and uh, across the southern peninsula of Texas as well. Lots of lots of different things going on uh, in that neck of the woods uh, with the border, of course. A little bit of other scoring action last night on ESPN.com. The PGA Tour this week is the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, Shelton is up there uh, with a score of four under. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Boston thumped uh, Philadelphia 76ers 121-87 tonight, and the Lakers travel to San Francisco to take on the Warriors tonight in, I believe, which is game three of their conference semifinal game. T- uh, the Lakers, or I'm sorry, the 76ers and the Celtics are tied up one-to-one. Um, join me here on the chat line. I uh, do have it up here, uh, the Facebook comment feed, if you've got a couple of comments of, about any of the stories. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground this morning already here in the first 30 minutes, so kind of want to get a little bit more into uh, what happened at the school board, bringing a little bit more local for you uh, from Tuesday. But we covered all sorts of things from the, uh, the, uh, the central uh, bank, the Fed, raising interest rates, and a little bit of talk about how that dovetails into uh, Treasury over at the Treasury desk of Janet Yellen, little Florida budget action. Uh, friends over at For- Florida Politics uh, have a couple of great headlines going over there today about a bill reclaiming uh, abandoned African-American cemeteries, mental health uh, from Representative Sam Garrison. Um, sunburn, sunburn warnings already coming uh, for Florida. Make sure you get your sunscreen on. And Donald Trump still leads Ron DeSantis by 34 points uh, in a poll recently published out of Tennessee. So those are a couple of the headlines that are reaching us right now over at FloridaPolitics.com. If you are interested in what's going on in Tallahassee as we close out the Tallahassee session, uh, that's probably a great place to head over to check out some of those things. So, uh Title of the sto- uh, show today is the ABCs, one, two, threes. Where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? Uh, the first and first part of that really has to do with the, the school board reference. Um, the end of April, the last few days of April, uh, there started to come out this uh, sense out of the school board. And this is one of the things I keep track of and a lot of other people keep track of is this idea that the interim superintendent, Shane Andrew, who replaced uh, the former superintendent who is now on our way to Alaska, uh, he was placed in as the interim. Well, it started coming out uh, that his evaluation and contract were going to be on the May 2nd agenda. So uh, a couple of conversations. We just had a conversation about rezoning uh, the week before. Uh, the super, interim superintendent, Shane Andrew, had been asked to look at spot rezoning for a couple of schools in the interior of the county. Uh, evidently, he was not really in favor of that. He was more in favor of comprehensive rezoning because this is really a countywide, a district-wide issue. The schools are all sort of out of out of sync, let's say. And when we talk about rezoning, it's basically you live in which zone and you are assigned to which school. Hopefully that's not super news to a lot of people, but there is some uh, exceptions uh, around the county of Florida or around the Alachua County, and there's also magnet programs. The magnet programs, as you can imagine, are meant to attract certain things. So when the magnet program was originally started, the idea was to attract students that would na- maybe not necessarily be in that zone to come to that school. Now, from a policy standpoint at the school board, it was really trying to attract higher achiever students in some cases to balance out the scores of lower achieving students. So the district wide, they could say, well, the average in these schools is up. Well, it's because they're sort of monkeying with the equation to some extent uh, by doing all of this circus act. So that's a little bit of why the magnet programs were instituted. So closing out April, there is the rezoning discussion that's going on. 
there is signals coming out of the school board members' mouths about the magnet programs uh, being in the equation for zoning. Well, the alarmist in the parent is going to say they're going to take away my magnet program. Now, that could very well be true. From my seat, when I was looking at this discussion, the magnet programs were in the discussion because it seemed to me, in my humble opinion, that they were going to use those magnet programs to attract students to other schools. So they may attract uh, more students to a school that has under-enrollment, right? Well, then you start talking about moving the magnet programs into a parent. If you move the program, you're basically taking the program away from them. If you take the uh, magnet program from Oakview and you move it over to Kanapaha, uh, that's taking it away from them. In the school board's mind, they're going to talk out of one side of their mouth and say, we're not taking the program away. We're not taking any of the magnet programs away. Caveat, asterisk at the end of that statement, you look down to the bottom of the page, you look for the asterisk that corresponds, and it says, but it will be moved over to Kanapaha. So they can talk that they're not getting rid of the magnet programs, but moving it away from where it is currently is essentially and effectively the same thing. So it's the same absolute value, right? When you look at that uh, mathematical uh, theory, same absolute value. Uh, I think the solution here is really getting more magnet programs. There's no reason why we couldn't duplicate successful magnet programs in other other schools in un, some of these under-enrolled programs. Now, coming out of, I believe they've had two rezoning discussions uh, so far, open houses. I went to the one at Oakview Middle. Uh, there was probably close to 200, maybe even 300 people at that one. The one at Wiles the, the following week, uh, I don't think it had a very good attendance at all. So uh, if you are in the Wiles uh, zoning area or whatever, you need to make sure your opinion and your voice is getting uh, elevated to your uh, to your school board. You can email the school board members directly at boardmembers at gm.sbac.edu. And I know that they are getting a lot of emails because in the talk, particularly on Tuesday night, they have been talking about how the number of emails that they have been been getting. They may not respond to your email, but they know that they're getting. I would suggest when you write the email that you keep it short and you really kind of give them the headline in the subject uh, because the... The reality is they're probably not going to have enough time to read through your diatribe of everything that you ever wanted to say, and you, you know they're going to interpret that as you're just vomiting on them in an email. Don't do it. Just keep it short and synced. It's going to be much, much more uh, powerful. Take it from a guy who knows. Brief emails. You don't need to repeat a million things in them that uh, are already uh, assumed. These are smart people. They can kind of fill in the blanks. You don't need to go on a diatribe. But uh, send them an email. Make sure that they understand where your position is. If you have a chance to get over to one of the rezoning discussions, uh, they have them all listed at sbac.edu slash rezoning. Uh, so they have, I'll give them credit, they have actually put a pretty good website together or web page together on their website having to do with the discussions of uh, rezoning. So it appears anyway from the rezoning meeting that I was at that they have been kind of forced to walk back some of these discussions about the magnet programs. Uh, but it's very important that we as a public Uh, with kids in the schools or kids even in the charter schools or the private schools, make sure that we are engaging with the school board. There is no better evidence of you get the government that you earn when you show up, because that's exactly what happened on Tuesday night. And just because you are in a charter school or just because you're in a public school, don't think that you're immune from the reach and the reach down from the school board, because you have... A lot of the charter schools and the public schools align a lot of their curriculum with the public school system. A lot of the dates line up. A lot of the curriculum, as I said, lines up. Uh, So you start talking about the topical stuff. Uh, You talk about the CRT or the DEI or the gender studies and all that uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, It seeps into these other places. 
because quite frankly, a lot of the teachers that are in the charter schools that are in the private schools, they came from the same educational institutions that started this ball ball rolling in the colleges. They started, you know, in the colleges, they send out their little teachers and their rank and file out to all sorts of education uh, venues. It's not just isolated to public schools. So you need to keep a side eye on what's happening in the public schools, even if you belong to a charter school or uh, go to a public school. About 45 after the hour here on the Ward Scott Files, uh, we're just delving into the subject of uh, the school board. So let me get to what we were talking about with regards to the superintendent. Um, Again, there were signals about the evaluation. There were signals about the contract. And the information was sort of conflicting. And it was very surprising to me Tuesday night. I go to the school board meeting. It's a five-hour marathon. I felt like I needed combat pay (laughs) for this meeting. About three hours into the meeting, we finally get to the agenda items regarding the evaluation and Chair Certain, Tina Certain, is uh, sort of being disingenuous, in my opinion, and saying, I don't understand why everybody got the evaluation misinterpreted into uh, Shane Andrew is going to be fired. Well, uh, you know, when you've seen the movie before, and even if it's a remake of the movie, you kind of know what the storyline is, you know who the protagonist is, you know who the antagonist is, uh, you know where you're going to hit the crescendo and you know how this movie is going to end. Well, uh, there was a lot of smart people in the room on Tuesday night. Myself was there, uh, the Newberry mayor, Jordan Marlowe was there, uh, Catherine Weitz was there. There's a slew of top-level district employees there circling the room. Uh, we had Ann Katerber from the ACES program, uh, Miss, I believe her name is Strickland from the PTA program. Uh, you had Carmen Ward and her deputy from the school teachers union there. So you're kind of preaching to the choir, Miss Certain, when you're talking to the people that were in that room on Tuesday and to pretend that we can't read between the lines is very disingenuous. We can, we can sort of fill in those gaps naturally because we pay attention to this stuff. Uh, so the first item on the agenda was the evaluation. And I think WCJB, um, uh, I can't remember her name. It's uh, Miss Salachi. She was there covering it for WCJB. And I think on their 11 o'clock broadcast, uh, she was sort of miss. Quoting what happened unintentionally, so she said that the uh, the school board voted unanimously to keep the superintendent. Well, on the agenda item regarding the evaluations, yes, the school board was unanimous in accepting those evaluations, which was really just kind of a procedural. But when it came to the actual contract contract, uh, the vote was split three two. And here's how it broke down in a little bit of the timeline. So you had a new member, school board member Kay Abbott. Uh, she was elected over Prescott Coles. She offered an emotion that said, I want to put off the superintendent's search that they had just discussed the day before to January 1st and potentially have a permanent superintendent in place in June. So there's about a six month window for the new superintendent search. And all of this I'm sure is fine with Shane Andrew because he was only ever tapped to be an interim. Uh, He's got about two years left in the drop from what I understand, if I'm remembering the conversation uh, correctly from Tuesday night. So he's got about two years left in the drop. Uh, So this isn't a long-term gig necessarily for him. Uh, God love the man. He's been in the school system 30-plus years. He has been a principal at umpteen schools here in Alachua County in the district. Uh, so he has really been at all levels of the program within the district. And it was very, very endearing for me to hear people one after another after another from all of these different walks of life, so to speak, uh, that all supported Shane Andrew. We had parents coming in with stories about how he had helped 
you know, talk with their student. Uh, the commissioner from High Springs, uh, Catherine Whites, she spoke about how the day he was hired as the interim, he was at the music program that night in his capacity. And he went straight there and he talked to stu- students afterwards. This is a man who is clearly, from the discussion on uh, Tuesday night, clearly, clearly invested in our kids. Whether he gets the the superintendent role correct uh, is is a whole nother kind of story, and it's a whole nother portion. You know, you have staff as a leader and as a superintendent. He is sort of the equivalent of our city manager. Us on the commission are at the front of the boat, charting the course of where we want to go. It is the city manager who is sitting at the back of the boat with his hand on the rudder, steering it where we want to go. The superintendent is sort of that person. So you have a staff that you are orchestrating as a conductor to get that vision done so that the boat of the school board goes in the direction that the the majority of the board wants to go. And it's not where the chair wants to go, in this case, Tina Certain. It is where the preponderance or the majority of the board wants to go. So if you have three votes as a superintendent, that's the direction, that's the chart uh, that you want to go, and that's the direction that you want to go. So uh, as the superintendent, you need to be the leader. Uh, Tina Certain had talked about in one of her pre-meeting interviews about he needs to be the leader, he needs to be the leader, he needs to be the leader in providing the leadership. Well, in my frame of reference, the leadership comes from the board. The leadership continues through the superintendent. It doesn't start at the superintendent. It starts at the board. That is the ownership that you need to take as a board member or uh, a commission member. You are taking the leadership position. Uh, so I think Superintendent Andrew gets that. Uh, he raised his hand Tuesday night and said, if you want to blame anybody about how things are going, you can blame me. I am the superintendent. It is my responsibility to get that done. Do I have shortcomings? And I'm paraphrasing at this point. Yes, I have shortcomings. Uh, but listen, I'm invested in the kids. I know what's going on in the schools, and I completely agree that he does. Uh, I know for a fact that the preponderance of the teachers support him. The the uh, the school board union president, Carmen Ward, came and said that very, very thing. And I know in the aftermath of the other superintendent that was here, when she was gone and Superintendent Andrew was elevated to this interim position. There was a super, super sigh of relief. There was a uh, a ripple effect of stability, a ripple effect of predictability that came across the district. And that's just what I'm seeing from the outside. I can't imagine what was happening on the, the inside. I got several texts. I got several phone calls. Uh, about how much they appreciated the fact that the prior superintendent was gone and that now we had this sort of relief in uh, uh, Shane Andrew because most of the district knows exactly sort of where he is coming from. And not to sort of belabor uh, all of that stuff uh, too much. I hope I didn't really kind of put you to sleep. Uh, It's really me sort of uh, verbalizing uh, some of my interpretations from what was going on Tuesday night. And what also became uh, very important in this discussion was something that board member Diane McGraw spoke about. And she made the point, which I thought was so important, that what is the real timeline? You know, calendar-wise, he's been the superintendent now for a year. But let's step back. He became the superintendent, I believe, in March of last year. So you had April and May of that school year of 2022. That's pretty much enough time to empty out your office, set up a new office, understand and change all your email accounts, get the new superintendent phone, uh, you're getting the superintendent car, and lo and behold, before you know it, 
you're in graduation season. You had the the 22 graduation season at your doorstep a minute later after you took office you're coordinating with the 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 the, uh, the O'Connell Center on staff you're closing out testing because there's all kinds of testing that happens at the end of the season or at the end of the school year and it's not just a couple of days it's not just the last couple of days of school because hey all the seniors actually don't really even go to school the last week so you back that up another week, and then where where are you the first of June? Oof, everybody's taking a breather from the school year, and I don't know about you, but if I was a teacher, the first two weeks of June, I'm pretty much probably completely frazzled with all the end of the year ceremonies, all the uh, the sad stories about the seniors that are leaving that you have been shepherding for the last four years. It's a very emotional. May month, and we're right in the middle of that season right now at the 23 season. So uh, you're basically at the end of June before you catch your first breath. And then where are you? You're into July, and you're four weeks, five weeks out from the 23 start. You're hiring a bunch of teachers. You're organizing all a bunch of different teachers. You're surely trying to see what team are you going to be able to put on the field in about five weeks. So you're into the crunch season of starting a whole new uh, a whole new school year, right? And it's great. You kind of get your feet under you. Uh, you're able to straighten out the sails a little bit on the boat. You've kind of uh, got the autopilot on the rudder a, a little bit. And then you're sort of into Thanksgiving. Two, uh, you got a week there, which is really kind of mentally two weeks because nobody's really paying attention going into Thanksgiving. And then shortly after that, you are into Christmas season and you have Christmas programs and all that stuff. Uh, you come back in January. Uh, his evaluations were in April. So what she was sort of painting was this picture of, yeah, we had a calendar year but there's really only been about four months worth of productivity. And are we really going to hold that position over his head with an effectively four, maybe five months worth of uh, evidence in which to make sort of this decision? So when it boiled down and it was obvious through the discussion that Tina Certain has a personal gripe with Shane Andrew. She has been able to rein in Sarah Rockwell into this argument and this personal issue that certain apparently has uh, with with Shane Andrew. And we've seen this movie before a little bit with the prior superintendent uh, being replacing somebody that uh, she didn't really have uh, the best of relationship with, from what I gather. So. We've seen this movie before. Again, we know how it ends. It was in black and white before. Now it's got the 4K, four, you know, multicolor sort of version, but it's the same story. You know, rarely do we get uh, new storylines in history. It's sort of always people <laughs> repeating the same stories, right? It's a, it's the superhero. It's the villain. Uh, you know, who's your favorite uh, superhero kind of thing, but. Uh, Tina Certain and Sarah Rockwell both voted against extending the contract. In the end, they are pushing off another superintendent search until the first part of 2024, hopefully to have a replacement in place in June of 24, which also just kind of lines up with the natural progression of the school board. It was pointed out by, uh, by Tina Days in the conversation on Tuesday night. What kind of candidates are we going to get who want to start in the middle of the school year. We're going to get basically unemployed superintendents is what you're going to get. And why are they unemployed? Hmm, that's a good question, right? So if you can line up the natural uh, progression of the school calendar, uh, that was mentioned many times as being very beneficial and something that I, I totally, totally agree. Uh, we are closing out the second half of the hour here on Thursday. May the force be with you. Thank you for joining me. I've been Tim Martin, pinch hitting for the illustrious Professor Ward Scott here on the Ward Scott Files. And uh, to close out, one more shameless plug. Uh, I wanted to encourage you, go to shopjbs.org. Check out this book by our former CEO, Property Rights as Sacred as the Laws of God. And my big takeaway from this book is that 
property rights really are the cornerstone of our country. Uh, I love this country that we live in. The cornerstone of property rights actually starts right here, not in the physical property that we are always accustomed to. Thank you for joining us here on the Ward Scott Files. Happy to be here on Thursday. Come back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel, 9 a.m. here on the social media platforms at the Ward Scott Files. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, Luke. May the force be with you.